Welcome to episode 123 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is the first 40 miles. Today on the first 40 miles, Each of us are in a constant state of learning, and we're all on different paths. Today, we'll share a few things that Josh and I have learned. For the Summit Gear Review, traction that will make snowy trails hikeable and make chipmunks very nervous. Next on today's Backpack Hack of the Week, a brilliant idea shared by one of our listeners who picked it up from another hiker. All this, and that's about it, today on the first 40 miles. Hey, that's pretty cool. This is episode 123, and today's date is 321. That is so cool. It's like a palindrome kind of thing. Yeah, it's random, but Like a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. Right. We have a daughter whose name is a palindrome. We do. Else, race car. Yes, race car is a palindrome. Taco cat. There's some good palindromes. Taco cat. (laughs) (laughs) Palindromes are great. Well, another one of the great things in life, besides palindromes, is the fact that we get to learn as we go. And sometimes it's learning that we choose, sometimes it's learning that's kind of like a surprise lesson. But either way, we have the opportunity to learn as we go through life, no matter what our age is. You know, most of our formal schooling is finished by the time we're, you know, in our early 20s. But even beyond that, we can continue to learn and have these experiences that just open our eyes to amazing truths. And especially with this podcast, it's something that I'm very aware of, that I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. Like sometimes I wish I had started a podcast where I had actually had some previous experience or education, you know, where I could talk for hours about this subject that I was really knowledgeable about. But every single week when you and I come to the microphone, everything that I share on the show is stuff that I have learned that week or that I've learned just in the past few months. It's It's a fun journey, and it keeps me in that state of constantly learning, which is really exciting. Yeah, it is kind of funny that you chose to start a backpacking podcast just a couple months after your very first week-long backpacking trip. I know. (laughs) I should have picked something like uh, how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, because I'm so good at that. (laughs) I could could school you all. (laughs) Or music composition. Um, nutrition. Yeah, lots of things that you've got a whole bunch of experience in. But um, on the other hand, uh, this podcast isn't really about how much you and I know. It's more about just inspiring people to get outside backpacking, to take that first trip, and to go from knowing nothing to knowing just enough to take the first trip. I think it's also about what we learn along the way. You know, I think we've had a few flip-flops in this show where we've said, okay, this is how we've done it. This is how we're doing it. And then within a few months, we're like, wait a minute, we need to rethink that. Let's try it this different way. 
You know, one of the things recently that we've talked about is doing a zero waste backpacking trip, where instead of coming home and throwing away all these zip top bags, we come home and we rinse out and put away the containers and there's nothing to throw away. There's no waste. So that's one of the things that we are planning for this summer is doing a no waste trip. And that's going to be a little bit of a paradigm shift for us. And maybe for some of our listeners too, you might be thinking of how you can change things up on your next backpacking trip. And both of us love learning some new thing and then giving ourselves a new challenge to try to, um, to try to put into practice whatever it was that we learned. It's just a really fun cycle, at least for the two of us. Uh, just that constant evolution of learning and experiencing new things and, and adjusting based on those experiences. Yeah, and experimenting for sure. I love experimenting on things, learning a new idea and then just trying it out. And that's one of the things we love about hearing stories that our listeners share is that they too are learning as they go. And they may have some, you know, habit that they had in place or, or some way of doing things. Or some challenge that comes up, you know, before a trip or during a trip. And they share a story that illustrates how they learned something from that experience and, and changed or, or grew. Yeah, and one of our listeners just recently sent in a story. His name is Kelly, and he's from twoguysinthewoods.com. He's going to be our guest contributor this week on our Backpack Hack of the Week. And he's maybe a little bit more seasoned than most of us, and yet he still was able to learn something and have a really interesting experience in the process of learning. He learned something from a guy that he just met on the trail randomly. So you get to wait a few minutes before you hear his <laughs> hack. <laughs> but, you know, the other cool thing about 321, it's spring. Oh, whoa, you're right. Today's yeah. the first day of spring. That is so awesome. We are so excited because <laughs> we have gone so long without a backpacking trip this uh, this winter. Yes, it's been icy, wet, snowy, cold, windy. I think we've had a little bit of everything. So spring is here. It's officially shoulder season. It's time to it's time to get out. We've probably got a ton of snowpack up in the mountains uh, because we got so much rain and snow this winter. Even the Oregon Coast Range had snow on top of it for a long time. Uh, we go some winters where they get no snow at all in the Coast Range. So we're going to be on low elevation hikes for a little while, and we're going to have some really muddy trails for a while, but the flowers will start blooming and things will start growing and coming to life. Yeah, when the world wakes up from winter, it kind of feels like outdoor school is in session, you know? It's time to start learning again. And we're super excited to start learning again as we take some spring trips. Yeah. Well, I wanted to kind of reflect back on maybe the past year for our top five list today on the things that we've learned recently. I like taking these moments to reflect back and see what I've learned. It's just a good way to check in with myself and make sure that I'm not letting my brain atrophy. So the number one thing that we've learned recently is we need to store our backpacking gear in bins. We went out to our garage back in November and I moved one of the boxes that didn't have a lid on it and something jumped out of the box and I freaked out. I dropped the box and that thing that jumped out of the box 
jumped straight into our van. Yeah, you'd left the sliding door open on the van. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, we're learning all the time. Close the door. <laughs> Close the van door before you let rodents loose in the garage. Yeah. So this mouse that got into our van has caused chaos, damage, <laughs> That's one way to put it. It's been terrible. But the thing that I learned was that if I store the backpacking gear that we have in bins with lids, then it's protected. And the mouse actually didn't cause any damage to our backpacking gear other than leaving its trail behind, you know, everywhere. And that was gross to deal with. But, you know, I learned that mice don't just live in fields and forests. They also love suburban garages. So once we got everything all packed away and put lids on all the boxes, our gear was protected and uh, it'll be ready for our next trip. And we'll spare you the story of the absolute havoc that mouse caused to our van over the entire winter. And the mouse died. I mean, it wasn't like it lived in there all winter. It was there for maybe a day, two days. There was, yes, that is TMI, all that grossness. (laughs) 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 The number two thing we've learned recently is that backpacking has its seasons. There's an ebb and flow to when you can go backpacking. I mean, yeah, you can get out anytime with the right gear. I, I truly believe that. But sometimes it's a lot easier than at other times. Yeah, last winter we were able to go out and do a nice little anniversary backpacking trip. That was great, and it was beautiful. This year just did not work out, and I've kind of had this gnawing, you know, feeling of like, oh, I've got to get out, and our kids have got to get out, and how come we're not making it happen? And I just had to learn that backpacking really does have its seasons. And it's okay if you don't get out for a while. There's nothing to feel guilty about. If anything, it might just help you realize how much you enjoy being outside and that it's something that really fills you up and renews you. That's an equally important lesson to learn, even when you don't get the opportunity to go out backpacking. And for us, perhaps it's doubly depressing because not only do we not get out backpacking and get all the benefits and the, you know, it's just fun to be out there. Uh, But on top of that, we have, you know, this kind of uh, this thing that haunts us in our minds (laughs) that we are the hosts of a backpacking podcast. (laughs) If we don't get out backpacking, how can we have a podcast about backpacking? That's so true. I've had that thought too. One of the things that I've loved about hearing people share their stories is it kind of fills in the winter lull. You know, it fills in that slow time where maybe we don't have as many stories to share, but our listeners are reliving in their minds over and over these amazing stories, these amazing experiences that they've had. And then we're able to share those stories with all of our first 40 milers. Yeah, like you said, this was just an unusually wet winter. I mean, this is the winter that broke dams in California. So some winters are different than others. It's the way it goes. And and we've had to kind of realize that and give ourselves permission to say, okay, it's all right that we didn't get out as much this winter. It really was different. It really was wetter. It really was colder, icy, snowy. Our last backpacking trip was in early October. It snowed. And then the snow turned to rain, and it rained and rained and rained. 
Since then, we had an opportunity to do a backpacking trip in December, but the weather didn't allow. And in fact, we'll talk about that in the gear review today. We took a trip out to the Oregon coast for our anniversary a few weeks ago, and at least we got out for some day hike stuff. But we were talking 40 mile an hour winds with rain out on the coast. I mean, we were barely standing up. <laughs> But it was fun. You know, it was fun to at least get out for that little bit. And now we're just we're just watching the weather and watching the school schedule. And we're just waiting for that first one day off from school that happens to coincide with a day of no rain and temperatures that are a little warmer. And uh, we just want to pounce on that opportunity. And that leads right into the third thing that we've learned recently, which is if you don't schedule a trip, it probably won't happen. Our calendars just get full it's like we plug in our stuff and then our kids have some stuff come up and there's four of them. And by the time a particular week, you know, when, when we actually get to that week, it's full. The, the days are full. The evenings are full. The weekend is full. And we're, you know, quote unquote, out of time. So the times when we've been able to get out on backpacking trips were made possible because we blocked it out well in advance. And so when the other conflicts came up on the calendar, the backpacking trip was already scheduled, and that's what took priority, and the other stuff had to fit in around it or not happen. Yeah, this is definitely something we've learned before, but that we relearned recently. Because, like Josh said, it's been a while since we've gotten out. We both happened to look at the school calendar and saw this really short two-day window where the kids didn't have school, and we thought, we've got to make it happen on that day. So hopefully we'll have stories to tell and the trails will be dry and we'll get out on a really great backpacking trip with the family. So let me ask, what do you think we'll do if, because uh, we, we have scheduled that, we've set aside that day, they're going to have a day off of school and so we're going to go out backpacking. Now what if, you know, I mean there's a high likelihood that it will rain <laughs> and be cold just like it has been all winter. So then what? I think we should go to our secret BLM land spot because that's only half an hour from our house. And I think if things really get bad, you know, if if there's flooding or whatever, then we'll have an easy out. Yeah, our secret BLM spot. Shh. Except that's our next top five list thing. Oh, well, this is the number four thing that we have learned recently. BLM land is where it's at. We love the Bureau of Land Management. We have BLM land all over the western United States. BLM land is just great. The land is backpackable, it's accessible, and it's rustic. And in an upcoming episode, we'll be talking about our family's top secret BLM spot that's our go-to drop-everything-and-go-backpacking spot. Josh just found it, I don't know, back in December. He took a couple of the boys out, and then we ended up going all together as a family to check out this top-secret BLM spot. In fact, it was one of our goals last year was to find a go-to spot so that whenever we wanted to go backpacking, we could just take off and within half an hour be at the trailhead for just a beautiful, rustic place to take our family. Yeah, so I like your idea for that day off school coming up, that even if it's super rainy and cold that day, 
you know, because this spot that we found is so close to our house, it's just a half hour drive. That means that we can still do a backpacking trip anyway. And the hike is just over a mile, if I remember right. So it's not like we're going to be way into the wilderness. Um, so if we get completely soaked, no big deal. We can still make it back to the car and drive back home. And, and like we can at least make it happen. So I like that idea. Yeah, we love the BLM. We were kind of confused recently when we kept seeing the BLM pop up in the news. Um, we'd see headlines talking about BLM activists or the BLM campaign against violence, which kind of seemed out of character for the Bureau of Land Management. Well, it turns out that BLM also refers to the Black Lives Matter movement. And so if you see BLM in the news and you see pictures that aren't in a forest, then um, it's probably talking about something else other than the Bureau of Land Management. If you thought BLM stood for <laughs> Bureau of Land Management, you might be a backpacker. <laughs> That's right. And the last thing that Josh and I have learned recently is that everyone has a valuable lesson to share. The stories that we've been collecting over the last few months have been incredible. We learn from every person that we meet. And I think the backpack hack of the week is like a double hack because not only is Kelly going to be sharing with us something that he learned on the trail, but he learned it from another hiker. And so that in itself is kind of like a, I don't know, a backpacking hack or a life hack that the more you connect with people, the more you can learn from them. So we're really grateful that you all let us learn with you, learn from you. It's definitely a process. We would love to hear the things that you've learned recently. Either share them on our Facebook page, or you can go ahead and share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. For today's Summit Gear review, we'll be reviewing the Catula Micro Spikes. Over Christmas break, one of our listeners invited us to hike to the top of Saddle Mountain on the Oregon Coast Range with him and another friend. They had both hiked to the top on the first day of 2016, and so they wanted to do it again on the very last day of 2016. What a fun idea. I love that. His invitation was really kind, and we were so excited. We were going to bring the whole family but the last week of 2016 was really rough in the Northwest. We got hit with this wintry cocktail of snow, slush, ice, wind. And so as the date approached for this hike, we were just kind of watching and waiting. And we found out that the trail to Saddle Mountain would be slippery, icy, snowy, and just more dangerous than we were prepared for. Well, about a week later, I was in Salt Lake City at the Outdoor Retailer Show, and I found the perfect solution that would have made that hike up Saddle Mountain a reality. So if you know what crampons are, these are really similar. In fact, I guess you could call them crampons. But what they do is they hook onto your shoes and they give really great traction for icy or snowy trails. They're kind of like snow tires or chains. Yeah, I'd say they're more like chains. More like chains, for yeah. For your tires. For your feet. Right, right, uh, yeah. Chains, <laughs> snow chains for your feet. 
So Catula microspikes are a traction device that you slide onto the bottom of your shoes, and there are 12 spikes per foot. And those spikes really dig into the snow and ice and give you a lot more stability and traction on the trail. Each spike is about three-eighths of an inch long, and the spikes are made from heat-treated stainless steel, and so they're really durable and corrosion-resistant. The top of the Catula microspikes, the part that stretches onto your shoe, is made of this thermoplastic elastomer, which means you just stretch it, stick your foot in, and then let go, and it'll kind of snap onto your shoe. You don't have to like buckle or tie anything on. It's really cool because these micro spikes will fit perfectly onto any shoe. When you pull them out of the box and look at them, you're going to think, wait a minute, these are way too small for my shoes. I looked at them and and thought, well, they're, I mean, they're maybe as small as half the length of my shoe. How are these possibly going to fit? But it's a really nice stretchy material that stretches on over your shoe and stays really securely. It's great because you don't have to cinch any straps or buckle anything. Just stretch them over your shoe and you're ready to go. They have a tab on the back that makes putting the micro spikes on really easy. And then the left foot and the right foot are the same. So you don't have to figure out which one goes on which foot. I wish shoes were like that. (laughs) Yeah, but... That'd be nice. No, I can see why why they're not. (laughs) (laughs) And the elastomer that they're made of stays pliable to negative... 30 degrees Fahrenheit. These are also packable, so they come with a little tote sack. It's something that you could easily stuff into your pack, and it's not going to take up that much room. These micro spikes can be used on ice, rock, snow, and a mix of all three. For mass, the micro spikes pack down roughly to 5 inches by 3 inches by 2 inches, and they weigh between 11 and 14 ounces per pair. And I guess I should have mentioned this earlier when we said that they fit really well. There is a sizing chart, so it's not a one-size-fits-all type product. There are ranges, so if your foot is between this size and this size, there is a Catula microspike that will fit your shoe. And at that weight range, 11 to 14 ounces per pair, they're not exactly ultralight. I mean, you are adding some weight to your gear by taking these, so you're not going to throw them in on every trip. But there are those conditions where you really need that extra traction. And, you know, if these were any lighter, the problem is they wouldn't be durable. As far as maintenance goes, there's no maintenance that I'm aware of on the Catula micro spikes. But just be aware that the micro spikes can't prevent all slips and falls. So you need to maintain an awareness on the trail. Don't be dumb. Don't be trying to do the moonwalk on the trail. Just stay stable, stay safe, and these micro spikes will provide a lot more traction than if you were just to blaze across a snowfield or an ice field in your hiking boots. For investment, a pair of the Catula micro spikes costs $70. And for trial, well, boy, we've had plenty of opportunities this <laughs> winter. Of course, most of the winter was passed before you got these micro spikes. But the funny thing is the, the location where you first tried these. Yeah, I got a pair of micro spikes at OR. And when I flew back into PDX, I stepped off the bus into the, you know, that huge economy parking lot where there are thousands of cars. Well, the entire parking lot was iced over. In fact, The entire city of Portland was completely iced over. And then on top of that ice 
was snow. So I put on the micro spikes and walked around the entire little W5 section of the economy parking lot to try to find my car, which was also covered in snow and ice. And it took me a while, but I did not have any slips or falls. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I first used them in a parking lot, but they worked in the parking lot. They're going to work on the trail. They're just a really great traction device for your shoes that are really easy to use and will provide you with a lot more stability on those icy trails. Portland is the city that's famous for not using salt. Just this year, they finally caved in and ordered a delivery of salt. Well, it's funny because two of the cities that we've lived in, Salt Lake City, plenty of salt on the roads. And before that, we lived in Syracuse, New York. Its nickname is the Salt City. The Salt City. <laughs> uh, plenty of salt on the roads. They did preventive salting uh, or <laughs> kind of a preemptive strike like they do in war. We know it's going to snow. We know we're going to have ice. So we'll just put the salt down now. We're ready to go. Not in Portland. Maybe nope. if they sprinkled rose petals on the road. I don't know. Were the, the city rose, of roses or yeah. something? Would that work? No, Maybe? it's completely useless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Trails definitely aren't salted, so the micro spikes will really help. I should probably also mention that Catula makes something called nano spikes. Those are actually more like studded tires. The spikes are a little bit shorter, uh, a little bit smaller, and they're more for runners. But if you're going to be hiking, then the Catula micro spikes will be perfect for your trail time. And we certainly wish we'd had them just a few weeks earlier. Yes. We could have done Saddle Mountain. Next year. We're ready. For today's backpack hack of the week, delayed camp setup. If you're one of those people that gets into camp and sets up first thing, then Kelly's Backpack Hack of the Week may make you rethink that. And Kelly discovered this hack while he was on a trip to the Tetons last August. Hi, my name's Kelly McDonald from Two Guys in the Woods. Although we try to get out as often as we can throughout the year, we always try to do one, what we call, epic adventure. This is a little bit of a, a longer, more challenging hike, multi-day trip. Last summer, we decided to do the Teton Crest Trail in Grand Teton National Park, just south of Wyoming, and it was absolutely spectacular. We spent three nights, four days, hiking through high passes, alpine meadows, rugged mountains. The views were just one after another after another. And we went early in August, so it was the peak of wildflower season. So mile after mile after mile of meadows just in bloom, every color of the rainbow you could possibly imagine. And there's nothing quite like just kind of standing, stopping, closing your eyes and listening, and the sort of sublime sound of thousands, hundreds of thousands of bees off doing their work. It's incredibly connecting feeling with nature. One of the, the big things that we learned on this trip is as a scout uh, in my younger days, I was always taught that when you get in to your camp, set up your tent, get your shelter, so that you always have a place to retreat to if weather turns bad. And that was always sort of the tradition that I'd always applied every time we go on our hikes. But we bumped into a gentleman the first night, and he took a slightly different approach to setting up camp. If the weather was good, and we were fortunate that the 
the three nights and four days we were on the trail where the weather was fantastic, is he would actually wait to the latest possible time to set up tent. And the reason that he gave us is one, if he decided to sit down, have dinner, rest a little bit, he sometimes found that he had a little bit more energy and was willing to press on another couple miles before actually calling it a night. The other is that it gave him a chance to observe the campground, see where it was noisy, uh, see where the nicest views were, any odors from the outhouse, if you will. And that way he could actually pick the best spot to sleep in. We kind of saw the wisdom of that actually on the last night on the trail and that we got into our site, set up our tent right away. And we didn't realize until later that we had set it up kind of in a little bit of a wind bottleneck uh, between two tall standing rocks. So as things started to cool down, the sun went down, the wind picked up. We were in a little bit of a hurricane alley and it was it was windy. And because of the, the grit and the dirt in that area, we had this sort of fine sand that was blowing literally right through our tent. And uh, you may be aware some of the uh, most of the ultralight tents are largely made up of mesh underneath the fly. And it didn't do much to prevent that dust and dirt from getting in. So when we woke up in the morning, our sleeping bags were covered in dirt. We were covered in dirt. Uh, definitely made for an interesting night. So it's, that's a lesson that we're going to try to apply on our, our future treks is, you know, again, if the weather's nice, uh, taking the time to really scope out the campground, look for the best place to set up. And then once we found that a little bit later in the evening, we can set up our tents and, and get ready for bed. Of course, if the weather is chancy, it looks like, you know, there's a storm coming in. Of course, you always want to set up your tent and be ready so that if, if weather does turn bad, you have a place that you can go and, and get out of the rain. Anyway, that's our story. Uh, we're looking forward to new adventures in 2017, uh, planning right now the uh, the Kootenai Rock Wall, which is a spectacular hike in Kootenai National Park in Canada, just west of Calgary. And it's essentially, again, four nights, five days, uh, hiking with a three, four hundred uh, meter, so about uh, probably about 2,000 foot rock wall that you hike along for, for three or four days through a number of alpine valleys. Really looking forward to that, and we'll uh, definitely keep you guys uh, abreast of, of how that goes. Thanks. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Canadian author Margaret Atwood. And this is from her book, Bluebeard's Egg. She said, In the spring, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. thing that we've learned recently is to store our backpacking beer beer oh <laughs> we're we're not no <laughs> i meant gear <laughs> it takes up maybe the size of a 
I don't know, should I say Big Mac or a Whopper? <laughs> Whopper. Okay. Okay, we'll say Whopper, but is there something healthier that we could pick besides a Whopper? Maybe an eggplant? Hmm. 